Okay, uh, usually I made the disclaimer that I did all my prayers before to save time, but today it hasn't happened, so please allow me one second to collect my thought and ask my Gurudev to uh, allow me to be a transparent instrument because um, I definitely am not qualified. Mukankaroti vachalam pangum langhayate girin yakrapata mahambande shri gurum dinataranam Vancha kalpaturubhyascha krupasindhubhyayevacha patitanam pavane bhyo vaishnave bhyo namonamaha Vande shri krishna chaitanya nityanandau sahoditau gaudodaye pushpavantau chitraushandau tamonadau Vande ham shri rama krishna vabhaya charanasakhau and with the blessings of everybody, everybody else, let's see if we can start. Okay. Um, all right. Let's see if um, I can collect my thoughts after this uh, little technical glitch. This is a presentation. Uh, welcome, everybody. First of all, this is a presentation on a section on of the Srimad Bhagavatam that discusses 24 gurus and i've always been um, intrigued by this the first time i heard him mention the 24 gurus of the bhagavatam what does it mean and um so i'm glad and uh, I'm, I'm happy i get to uh, i got the chance to um dive deeper into this section of the bhagavatam and um, um you know, share whatever I realized with everybody else. Now, I have a, I do have a disclaimer to make. One second, please. This was supposed to be a one month, if not two month presentation. Meaning that um, those of you may not know, because this is recording, everybody can um, access this in the future. But this was supposed to uh, be a four week presentation on this session sec section and I said I could even make it for two months because it's a it's a vast subject turned out turns out we we shifted so it's going to be a once only and um, I have now 40 minutes to talk about these 24 gurus and it's going to be two minutes each but no I'll just go over it we'll just do an overview if and when there are enough people interested and uh, enough uh, feedback we could do with that that one week when I am uh, the speaker, which is going to be who knows when at this point. I'll just be talking about this until it's exhaustion and uh, discuss this topic. Because as we will see, it's not really about these 24 gurus, but it's about Sri Guru and our attitude. And uh, basically, it's just Krishna consciousness or uh, Vedanta as we know it as Gaudiya Vaishnavas. So there is really, this context of the 24 Gurus is really just um, um, the vehicle for this transcendental knowledge to be uh, discussed and uh, relished and uh, meditated, meditated upon. So anyway, just to give you a little uh, orientation, this section of the Bhagavatam appears in the 11th canto, chapter 7 and 8 and 9. Uh, and um, Maharaj Yadu is um, 
going about his business and runs into an uh, avaduta. So a sadhu, an avaduta is somebody who is, um, for all intents and purposes, perceived as the crazy person, crazy in the village. I don't know if you've seen the movie Lagan, but there is this guy who's like, is like a mendicant, a minstrel, and the typical a stereotypical image of the avaduta he's like the crazy of the village but maybe he's the most realized one and anyway the thing is that we cannot make sense of the character of an avaduta because it doesn't it's not they're not quite plugged into this material matrix as we still are so anyway maharaj yadu sees this avaduta and he's so fascinated by him by his demeanor that he stops the the how would you say the palanquin like he, he was going from one place to another anyway he stops everything to talk with this person and say and comment on his behavior and his uh, demeanor his look and uh, he says you you seem so disinterested and uh, but yet so content so please tell me how you got to your level of self-realization Okay, we add this tropical bird to the um, 24 gurus. Actually, a bird is one of them, of the gurus. And um, so this avaduta starts talking and saying, I learned everything from these 24 gurus and that's how I got to this uh, level. Now, um, it is a very vast topic if we consider the topic of uh, Shri Guru. So... Uh, Am I going to do justice to it in 45 minutes? Maybe less if I take questions? No. So what I thought I would do is just uh, go over the list, just go in layers, talk about these uh, 24 gurus as they're mentioned, and at least be acquainted with uh, who, who they are, what they are, uh, the, just the list of them. And then maybe um, see what the uh, shloka has to say about them, and um, and then just go deeper and deeper as the time allows us. And then uh, where I fall short, should the consensus be that, uh, I mean, it's, it's a welcome thing that I would uh, lecture on them time and again and again, deeper and deeper. Like I was going to take three gurus, three, one lesson for three gurus every time. So now it's a bit more condensed. Uh, then, uh, then we'll see. We'll do this in a in a deeper and deeper way. But let, let's uh, analyze the list at for um, the list of these gurus. They are. Let me fetch the verse. So. Mm, Starts from eleventh uh, canto, chapter seven, thirty-three and thirty-five. O king, I have taken shelter of twenty-four gurus, who are the following: the earth, air, sky, water, fire, moon, sun, pigeon, and python, the sea, moth, honeybee, elephant, honey thief, the deer, the fish, the prostitute Pingala, the kurara bird, and the child, and the young girl arrow maker, serpent, spider, and wasp. My dear king, by studying their activity, activities, I have learned the science of the self. So, we can see um, at a general glance that basically 
it means the whole world can become your guru. This is actually the final teaching, the, the overarching teaching. But if you see this list and you analyze each verse, you see that it's very dry, very Vedantic in its approach. And they're all about, this teaches me detachment, and these teach, this teaches me not to get... Um, well, attached, <laughs> and on and on. It's, it's, it's very dry in its uh, um, presentation. Keep in mind that we're talking about ancient times where spiritual life was um, of a different <laughs> flavor than, than our nuanced one uh, that we have thousands of years later and after being blessed by Mahaprabhu's mm, contribution and uh, revelation to what is what. So spiritual life was very much that at the time of Maharaj Yadu was all about, you know, leave everything at the end of your life, go to the forest and meditate until you die, and meditate on the absolute until you die. So it was really just the core. But I thought I would just um, enrich or embellish every reference, every verse about each guru with anything that we may think of as Gaudiya's or as um, you know, knowers of the Bhagavad Gita, because technically, historically, the Bhagavad Gita hasn't hadn't been um, spoken then. So um, it's just a perspective on these verses from thousands of years later, how to make it current and uh, how to make all these verses speak to us, because some of them were really like. Anyway, we'll see them. <laughs> all right, so back to the list. Mm. If you see the earth, air, sky, water, fire, does somebody, is somebody needing to say something? No, it's just a mistake. Um, oh, it's like Kirati's microphone. Okay, so, um, very inanimate things. Who's your guru? The earth, air, sky, water, fire, moon sun, pigeon, python, etc. It's how can you make a moth your, your guru? It's um, so clearly this means find um, a nice prostitute and take initiation from her. No, it means um, that the guru is everywhere. The um, Krishna himself says in the 11th canto, Acharyam Mambijaniyat. The Acharya, it should be known that the Acharya is me, that I am the Acharya. So, and God is every, everywhere. So the main teaching, uh, as much as it gets nuanced in all these very detailed uh, expressions, like the moth, is that God is everywhere, and we can see it everywhere, and uh, take advantage of the teaching, if and when we're open, because this Abhaduta didn't, reach this level of um, realization uh, just out of his own um, how would you say spiritual power you have to have some knowledge let's let's hop to Pingala for example Pingala is the um, prostitute who spent all day and all night waiting for a customer or client and then in the middle of the night she just has this realization that what was I doing wasting my life and then a whole song which is um, you know the, 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 the monologue of Pingala has been 
isolated into a song that people have appreciated and you know what's her name um there's a guru kuli who sang these verses uh karnamrita i think her name is karnamrita and uh so the song of pingala because it's a very important moment she's like and plus if you think about a prostitute is just the epitome of uh uh, not only it's lust, but it's making money from lust. So it's very much in contrast with what is spiritual pursuit and spiritual realization. So to have a prostitute think and realize, what was I doing with my life? Waiting to get some sort of fulfillment from a random man, where in reality I should focus on the Lord and how, how much happiness I could derive from serving Him. But she must have had some knowledge of what is what, that there is a Vishnu guy and, you know, and devotion and what the purpose of life is. So, um, again, the Guru, is, Shri Guru is this one, uh, what, would you gonna, what would you call it, uh, entity or reality that um, uh, may come to you in every form and at any time, excuse me one second, But obviously the best guru, or say the first guru the, uh, that should teach you how to see things is the guru as we see it, as we know uh, this one person who gives us transcendental knowledge that we can extrapolate from everything else. I remember being quite um, surprised uh, many, like 20 years ago, thinking, how can she, st how can she still be a prostitute? Keep in mind that I was a convert. I was, what, 21 years old, 17 years old, reading these stories, hearing the stories and thinking, she knows about Vishnu, she knows about Bhakti, about Seva, about the soul not being the body, and she still remained a prostitute? How can that be? And then reality set in, and here I am, cut to 26 years later. I know about it, so many things, and I'm still lost in, 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 in sensual and uh, material pursuits and um, that's how strong Maya is. It's like a very deluding, hypnotizing influence that no matter how much we know, we just act in, in, against our interest. So it, it almost goes, it, it goes to show how knowledge, as powerful as it is, knowledge means power and yet with knowledge alone, if you don't apply yourself, so there's jnana and vijnana, applied knowledge, and uh, in our vision, applied knowledge is seva, is uh, bhakti. Unless we <clears throat> engage our senses and actively engage in, in acts of, um, let's say, seva, our knowledge doesn't even, doesn't really lead us um, to the goal as effectively, to the point uh, uh, as the, 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 the figure of Pingala shows. But anyway, I took a big cut into the list. Let's start from the beginning. Uh, so I'll be going back and forth. I'll be analyzing the mm, guru of the moment, starting from the earth, and then going back, kind of hammering back on this point of what, uh, of the, say, the general, the universal quality of the guru and who the guru is. Another point is that there can be, <clears throat> suppose you put a dog in a room with 
a prostitute and a bee and a beekeeper and a, a bird and a python and a mountain is the dog gonna oh, excuse me again <clears throat> is the dog gonna take advantage of the presence of these gurus isn't it rather that it's the avaduta being a sadhu being a self-realized person um, <clears throat> whose heart is tuned into the guruness of everything around us it's it's almost a way to say that the guru is inside your heart and it's true because um you know at the end of the day the guru gives you knowledge a lot of things get transferred from the guru to the disciple but let's just go with knowledge um it is said that a speck of dust in Vrindavan has more knowledge than the whole material manifestation um, combined and we see the example of many less striking example of the manjaris the gopis who are simple village girls as they're usually depicted um, who come here and they are very uh, knowledgeable and um, you know highly self-realized uh, people such as the six Goswamis and many of our acharyas but the contrast is even even stronger in saying that a speck of dust has more knowledge than the whole material manifestation uh, combined why because there's no knowledge here so a speck of knowledge is more than any knowledge that can be found here one compared to zero is everything in in computer terms in binary terms or if you want to get more esoteric in cartomancy or astrology and so many things if you get zero one is the very first unit but compared to zero it corresponds the beginning it also corresponds the end and everything that there is although it's one it's only one it's it's the everything so um in in uh, the material let's call it world there's no knowledge uh, spiritual reality is Satchidananda so it's cognizant it's eternal and full of bliss and the material world is described as Asat Achit Nirananda I recently found a video like a, I don't know somewhere on social media a blind person saying a lot of people think or ask me if I see all black or what do I see and I tell them I just don't see anymore that you can see out of your elbow <laughs> it's not that I hear and meanwhile when it comes to seeing it's all black okay of course some people can are partially blind they see light they see shadows just uh, not as we see but people who are born blind they're just no input goes to their brain so they're just no knowledge here if you extract all the consciousness you know the demigod anything that is conscious from the material world there's no knowledge to be found so in one sense uh, going back to the avaduta the guru is in your heart because yes you are as a conscious being are the one who knows things who can know things who can appreciate uh, like it said consciousness give, gives a meaning to matter so that's the key I would say in which we should really understand these verses otherwise how is a, a mountain our guru is the guru actively given us knowledge no it's how we react to the mountain 
you know, we, we hear many times about Mahaprabhu, how he would react to a tree. He wouldn't just walk by and see a tree or like, oh, I can get a mango out of that tree one day if I'm hungry or something. He sees a tree and let's say that he imagines the tree saying, why aren't you tolerant like me, etc., etc. So that's what I meant by the moment we make sense of the environment as soul, as units of consciousness, which give matter meaning and to the to the extent to the in, in the same me, in the measure that we do do that then we can see the the whole world as our guru and the whole world becomes an abode of joy vishwam purnam sukhayate the yeah the whole world gives us joy sukhayate gives us joy so these 24 gurus are actually 24000 million infinite gurus one verse i like is um, the one that says, um, forget the Sanskrit or most of it, Samashrita ye padapallava plavam. It's the verse that says that for those who have taken shelter of the lotus feet of the Lord who are uh, like a vessel, okay, now it says that for those who have taken shelter of the lotus feet of the Lord can cross over the ocean of material existence with the same ease that somebody would step over the water so the ocean of material existence is like the water contained in the hoof print of a calf and we've had calves here we don't have calves right now but uh, we do have rain i didn't i thought i couldn't even log in today i thought the internet would go down because it was raining really really hard and uh, after it stopped raining we have cows, so we do see cow hoof prints and sometimes calf hoof prints. And every time I see that verse, I'm reminded, uh, every time I see the water included, um, contained in the hoof print of a calf, I'm reminded of that verse that says that, and I step, we step over these cow hoof prints, we don't even think about it. But again, when I am on a good day, when I'm particularly mm, tuned in or self-realized, <laughs> I step over these um, cow calf hoof prints, and um, and I realize, and I remember this verse. Just see, by taking shelter of the lotus feet of the Lord, I could one day I'll be crossing the universe, the um, ocean of um, material existence, as easily as I'm now stepping over stepping over these little bit of water contained in a calf hoof print. So I could say, the calf is my guru, you know, here's your 25th guru, the calf, or the, the hoof print of a calf is my guru. Or rather, me as a, as a spirit soul, as a unit of consciousness who's had the incredible luck of uh, getting in touch with a self-realized person, or anybody who pointed me in the way, I'm making now sense of matter in a way that I see uh, the Guru everywhere and therefore Vrindavan everywhere. You may know that um, Vrindavan is equated with the Guru um, because it's a, a land of Gurus as Sridharmar says because as I said any speck of dust could be our Guru from, in, oh, from our perspective here the whole land could teach us and what is the teaching? It's Seva so Everything in, in Vrindavan is permeated with a concern for seva uh, or a connection with Krishna, with the center. 
Seva can be any form. Keep in mind that contemplation is Seva. Smarana is Seva. It doesn't doesn't necessarily mean the involvement of a manjari in, in active seva to Krishna, but um, let's um, think of seva in the most generic application. Just tuning into the summon bonum, let's say Krishna. So, um, any part of Vrindavan is permeated with this feeling, with this concern for seva, and, uh, and that's what the guru is. Guru is Vrindavan in, in one person. And so they say that, you know, we realize one day that Vrindavan is not a destination. It's not a geographical designation. Uh, the whole world becomes Vrindavan. That's a way to see it. If you see everything in relation to Krishna, and you're in Vrindavan. That's what happens in Vrindavan. You're like tuned into the Vrindavan reality. I I don't know how many of you followed my lessons, but I am I tend to go on this crusade against um, a geographical, anatomical, uh, just space and time limited vision of transcendence. You you will always fail. You just cannot contain. Transcendental knowledge, the transcendental reality within our geographical, um, you know, oh, but the soul is situated there. Oh, but this, but if it's like this, how is it going to be like that? Just don't even, don't even go there. So, yes, Vrindavan is the, um, what would you call it? That reality that we usually hear depicted as whatever, meadows and pastures and little villages but it's it's a state of consciousness um actually no but it's it's it, it's yeah it's a state of consciousness it, it's a level it's not that one excludes the other so yes if you see your guru talking to you from everything then you're like you're in Vrindavan. so back to the list let's see if i can start um the earth is the first one. Now, you can see that this... Oh my God, it's already late. You can see that the point is driven over and over and over. Basically, it's saying that the elements are your guru. The earth, the wind, so the air, the fire, and the water, and the sky. Uh, it would probably be good if you could log into the Srimad Bhagavatam online or open it. And uh, we're talking about the seventh chapter of the eleventh canto. Or you can just try to follow me uh, as I speak. But you can see that this list includes the four elements plus the ether. So it says uh, sky. It means the ether, the one that contains all the uh, gross elements within itself. And then it talks about the sun and the moon. In other words, it's saying, no matter, no matter where you look, I mean, we can be oblivious of the sun and its presence in our lives, in our days. Even now, it's overcast where I am. But still, I know the sun is there. I know it's not night, because the sun is so <laughs> in your face. It's so evident that if we want to tune into this message of the Bhagavatam, then every day we can re be reminded of the Guru and the teaching of the sun, and by extension that, oh yes, anything out here can be my guru. And what is my guru telling me? Oh, to be a servant. So we can tune in or tune back in 
our constitutional position of servant. And that's a, a, an art that we hone by following the, the Bhagavatam that gives us, in the very least, 24, again, out of an infinity of gurus that we can find or, or uncover, discover in matter. So, um, the earth. Let's see how the earth is uh, our guru. Now, the earth is mentioned, but then the verses go on to describe a mountain and a tree. So, it's about this, like, steadiness, like the earth is uh, sustains us all and uh, suffers everything, does not complain. Everything that happens, happens on the earth. If we want to see it, again, if we consciousness give meaning meaning to matter, we see that the earth is stepped on um, by us and doesn't complain. Um, the mountain is also an expression of the earth because we may not perceive the earth. We just you know step on it all the time. We just walk. We go about our business. But then a mountain is a much more prominent. Um, say expression or extension of the earth uh, a lot of mountains are sacred when there is a, a mountain that sticks out like in australia i forget the name of that mountain um you know mount shasta in california or the everest out of a chain of a ridge of mountain if there is one that sticks out it catches your eyes and it makes you think if you're lucky enough about higher topics so you see a mountain and you think wow it's um so big and you start worshiping them and uh then you realize meanwhile everybody's walking on that on that mountain it provides shelter to birds and trees and uh so much happens to a mountain and, and you learn so many things in um Veda, in the vedic scriptures uh they're fond of talking about indra smashing the peaks of mountains with this um lightning um, weapon i've never seen a, a lightning uh, destroying like making the peak of a mountain explode but apparently it does have that power i mean if you read online or if you see on the internet they say that a lightning bolt is uh, i forgot how many times hotter than the sun and then you read that people are stricken by lightning twice and you're like how does that work I'll never understand volts and watts and amperes, but it's a lot of power. So, a, a, a mountain will withstand the attack of lightning and um, uh, and wind. So many, let's say, offenses from nature, from the world around it, and people step on it, and animals. Everything happens to the mountain, but it doesn't move. It, it still stays there. Uh, tolerates everything without um, complaining and another point about the mountain is that the bigger it is the more service it gives so what i was talking about before about giving a more maybe modern or godia spin on all these verses is that um, what this verse doesn't say in the 11th canto is something i can remind you of or bring your mind to what they say about govardhan govardhan uh, govardhan hill is described as the best devotee of uh, hari because um, it provides um, krishna f with a playground and uh, creeks and water and all the items for worship are um, offered by govardhan 
So you can see that a mountain does the same. Um, and a Vaishnav. So the teaching without, behind these verses are for every guru that is mentioned is either be like me, so be like the earth, be like the mountain, be like the tree, or don't be like me. Or just see that this happens. Like, you know, in the case of, um, you know, the honey keeper, it doesn't say go steal honey from the bees. It means as much as you will accumulate in life, it will always be taken, just like bees. Uh, in Vedic times, there wasn't much a tradition of beekeeping, like domesticating bees. It was more like the hunter. In, in fact, here it says the hunter um, goes to the hive and they just cut the whole thing off the tree and they steal all the honey. And um, I remember being in Vrindavan and somebody was selling honey in a, in a bottle. And a devotee who was with me said, uh, we don't drink honey because it's not vegetarian or something because one thing is to be a beekeeper and get the honey from the cells and one thing is to destroy a whole colony and then squeeze and I think they squeeze the beehive and they just get the honey like a bear practically <laughs> so it's a bit it's not exactly a non-violent practice and I would say that even while bee for mm, how do you say through beekeeping some violence is involved but let's not go there so the beekeeper, uh, the, the, what is it? The, yeah, the beekeeper is our guru, not because it teaches us to be like him, but the teaching behind is that, you know, every time we see a beekeeper or a bee hunter, as it says here, we should be reminded, oh, just see, the same could happen to me. I'm accumulating so many, everything, wealth and things and books or friendships but it's all going to be taken away one day they hammer a lot on attachment and detachment detachment and and, um, and these basic cores of uh, spiritual life um, even f even for even um, an impersonalist would benefit from um, the description and the teachings of these 24 gurus but like i said we'll try to give it a godia spin so um like govardhan a mountain is uh, the bigger it is, the more it serves. And so a Vaishnav, or let's say a Sadhu, sometimes they're, if they speak, if they um, stick out like a, like a Sadhu, you know, people start going to them and wanting things from him. And um, there is this risk of uh, Puja Labha and Pratishta. So as you become a prominent person, you get uh, worship, you get. Um, you, you get a, a prestige, a position, and uh, you get donations of food and money and stuff. But you should remember that you're actually the servant, just like the mountain serves people with its the animals and everybody. The bigger they are, the bigger service, the, the more they serve. So that's the teaching behind the mountain uh, as an expression of the earth. Earth is uh, Mother Earth. She's uh, generous. So you can see how, I mean, it's been already 30 minutes. I'm still talking about the first guru. It could literally be one lesson, one talk per guru. So um, I'm glad I made the um, generic point and I'll go back to it as it comes to my mind. I'll, I'll be reminding you. 
but uh, there's so much knowledge and so much can be gotten, so much transcendental teaching can be gotten out of a mountain, out of a tree, if and when the seed, at least the seed of uh, spiritual knowledge has been planted in your heart by, you know, somebody who has that knowledge. So, um, anyway, for those of you who are sadhus or gurus or sannyasis, the teaching is be like a mountain. No bigger, no matter how big you are, you're a servant. And the higher is your position, the more of a servant you are. You know, our guru Tripurani Maharaj says many times that it's um, a big task to be a guru because you're actually the servant of all of all your disciples, all your prospective disciples. And uh, the best guru is the best servant. First of all, because that's what you're teaching, how to become a servant. So you better be the best servant if that's what you want to teach people. And also because the, the same position forces you to do that. And it's a blessing in a way because it's it uh, boosts you to become a better servant yourself. So anyway, you will see that many of these gurus um, are interchangeable. At this point, I give up going in order, so I'll just speak. I'll, I'll just go unbridled, uh, whatever comes to my mind. So, tolerance, forbearance, or let's go with detachment. It can be shown, it can be taught by the wind. Uh, the wind is one of the gurus. So... The wind teaches detachment because it carries fragrances, sometimes good fragrances, sometimes bad fragrances. But it doesn't, it just carries them and then it drops them. But the wind is the same. The wind gets into dirty places, clean places, it goes high, it goes uh, low, but... Um, Yeah, like I said, that's pretty much the teaching. We shouldn't um, be attached to anything good or bad that happens in our life. We should just breeze through. <laughs> we should just breeze through the result of our karma, because everything that happens in our life, whether it's good or bad, is just the result of our karma. So if we don't do any more, uh, if we don't involve ourselves deeper in um, the material um, lifestyle, then the rest of our life will be aimed at a, you know, towards our transcendental pursuit and stuff will still keep happening, good stuff, bad stuff, but as a result, and we should just breeze through. And um, wind also, if we want to talk about baggage, it also teaches us not to, not only to not be attached to whatever happens to us, but also to not look for further attachment. So people talk a lot about baggage, to lie, travel with a light baggage, because what does the wind carry? Leaves, pollen, spores. The wind travels light, so we should be minimalist or essentialist in our in our material life. We may not be self-realized yet, be paramahansas, but in the very least just travel light, not have too many things, too many um, material pursuits, or be too invested in our material relationships, because it's all going to be blown away <laughs> by the wind of our karma and and uh, the very nature of material nature 
Um, now, it's interesting because, yes, the wind travels light and, and lifts leaves, but it can be quite powerful too. It just came to my mind that Hanuman is um, uh, a manifestation, uh, what would you call him, an incarnation of value. And Hanuman was quite strong. He, he could, could be as big as to swallow the sun, I think. He had that kind of power. He could be as big as he wanted, as small as he wanted. He could lift a mountain and he did all these things. And you can see that the wind can lift a house and, and, and or a tree if uh, if it so wanted. But um, like I said, the teaching can be gotten in so many ways, even when we are tuned. Um, the overarching teaching is be tuned into the transcendental message. The wind... Oh, by the way, before I forget, when I think of the wind, how is the wind my guru? Because Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Pavanam pavatam asmi. I am of purifiers. I am the wind. So the wind has a purifying um, quality to it. It sweeps away the leaves. It clears any um, whatever fungal stagnation. Personally, I cannot wait for some wind and some dry air because it's very rainy here. I woke up. I don't know what time it was. But it was raining so hard, I thought I would wake up and see all kinds of trees on the ground. My, my garden is a mud hole. So the wind is coming as a purifying uh, agency. It just takes away, uh, it dries up the water, it takes away any fungi, etc. So um, whenever the breeze uh, blows, you can be reminded of um, Krishna, who is among purifiers, is the wind then um, I was saying that there are qualities that are like repeated over and over because the ocean also teaches detachment. It says that just like the ocean gets water from all the rivers, sometimes they're swollen, sometimes they're dry, the rivers do change, but the water, the, the ocean is unfazed by the, in, how, no matter how much water gets in it. And then the moon is the same. It teaches that, um, although it changes uh, its uh, its phase, it's still the same moon. I mean, a lot of teach. I made a list here, and I'm, it's already ten twenty two. But um, the moon also teaches you to be unfazed. Um, the yeah, it's quite a lot. That was a huge undertaking. I'd be comfortable myself with uh, talking about this until I run out of breath. Every time I'm asked to talk about, um, you know, to, to give the one speaker for the month or whenever that is, I'll just go on on this topic because it's really not doing it justice. Um, like, you know, the Python, it says that you should learn from the Python to just stay there and eat whatever comes your way because pythons don't go hunt. I got my doubts about that. But anyway, a python is not... Um, most reptiles are very... Um, sed not sedentary. What is the word I'm looking for? Um, static. So whatever comes in front of their whatever hole, they just eat it. So we should be basically... Uh, it's the concept of a niyamagraha. Any yogi should just eat whatever comes their way. We have the example of Madhavendra Puri and uh, many of the six Goswamis. 
um, just don't go look for acquisition. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean food. It means anything. Because, again, the teaching is always the same. The basic, you know, uh, pull out, unplug from the karma matrix and get detached from that and attached to what matters. And what matters, well, it's, uh, you know, consciousness. Here it doesn't talk about consciousness much. But, you know, we know the meaning. We know the teaching to be that the real substance is to be found in consciousness and um, matter is just a, a vehicle for consciousness, a way that consciousness expresses itself through, but in and of itself, it's really like getting, I forget if it's an English or an Italian saying, but it's like getting blood out of a turnip. I think it's an English saying. No, we say that in Italian, but anyway. There's just, um, like I said, just like a blind person just cannot see, we cannot get real fulfillment and joy or knowledge from matter. Matter is just inert ingredients. And then even matter, material energy as an energy could be taken as an expression of consciousness. There's nothing but consciousness. So um, the highest teaching can be found in every any one of these gurus. Um, was I talking about the Python? So I was saying that many of the teachings are the basic ones and they are reflected over and over. The moon, the, the, the wind teaches detachment, but also the ocean because, um, not, not, not detachment, um, I'm getting lost here. What was I talking about? The ocean is um, unfazed. So yeah, the moon is unfazed, the ocean. I'm getting nervous because it's uh, we're practically five minutes from the end, and I was thinking of asking for questions. Now, I don't quite see the live feed on YouTube somehow because I didn't log in. And uh, let me just log into YouTube. There's probably a bunch of questions I don't even see there. Meanwhile, there's something on Zoom. Uh, Shut out this, no, blood out of a stone is what we say in English. Okay, in Italian we say blood of a turnip, out of a turnip, turnip, I guess a beet, because a turnip is white. Like a beet would make you think that there's blood in it, because it's red, but anyway. Um, meanwhile, there's a question from Sharada who says, question about attachment to other material relationships. Are devotees included in material relationships? I have heard not I have I've heard not these are transcendental relationships along with one between disciple and Gurudev huh well hmm, that's probably the only question I have time to address again it all depends on the your level of consciousness um, nothing is absolute in and of itself especially in the material world because we're talking about material relationships with uh, devotees in the in as much as you see them see them as devotees then you have um, a transcendental um, relationship what were you saying uh, yeah transcendental meaning that it's not a material relationship if you are born to a Vaishnavi and you see her as a mother and only as a mother yes you may get some benefit from being you know the the son of a, of a Vaishnavi but for all intents and purposes, she's just your mother. Now, I don't want to make a parallel, but I remember Gornarayan 
saying that people were were telling him wow you're so uh, lucky to be the son of a disciple of Prabhupada and it must be whatever they were saying and she, he was thinking she's just my mom now I'm, I'm not saying that he doesn't have any you know reverence for her life of service or any acknowledgement but you know if you see that one lady for as just your mom that's what you're gonna get out of that relationship so it's it's really all about your level of consciousness and um, how you make sense of matter in this case matter is a material relationship and uh, if you see your husband or wife as somebody you can serve with or even just uh, you know oh here's another soul trapped in a material body again it depends on what meaning you give uh, you get out of it then you make it a, a, a spiritual relationship but in and of itself I wish it was that simple to say oh I'm married to a Vaishnav and uh, ours is a transcendental relationship well no if you're just thinking about shopping or other things that <laughs> couples do together then that's all it is it doesn't matter you know that's that would be my um, very hasty answer and the first thing that came to my mind let me just see if there's something on YouTube. Um, relationship. Oh, there I am. Well, no, if you're talking. Okay, I don't see any questions. Um, right, okay, blood from a stone. Uh, so we've ascertained that. Uh, one final note. Uh, we'll be dubbing this hint of a, of a, of a class in, uh, in Spanish because the translator wasn't available. And um, I guess we're going to stop at this. It was really just, um, what is the word, gargantuan, trying to address this topic, and I really didn't do it justice. But, like I said, every time I'm asked to talk about it, I will gladly go deeper and deeper and deeper on this topic. And Because, um, as we said, it's about Krishna consciousness, or Gaudiya Vaishnavism, or, or Gaudiya Vedanta. It's, uh, we can get all the teachings we want out of this. Um, let me see if there's a, an, uh, one last comment on Zoom. So yeah, I would uh, finish here. I'm um, gonna thank you and um, apologizing for really not. Uh... Oh, there's another question. Oh, there's a bunch of questions I didn't see. Okay, Gayatri says, I really appreciate the point you made about the wind, that we are the, to breeze through anything good and bad. Also, your realization, as I understood it, about Pingala, sorry if I'm spelling it wrong, and how strong Maya is, even after so many years <clears throat> on the path in this life and still attached to material enjoyment. Okay, so it was just a comment. Um, like I said, it, it really started um, late and um, limping. I would be glad to just go on on this and just uh, go deeper and deeper and um, talk about this every time I'm um, asked to talk. This will be my topic until I exhaust everything that there is to say. For now, we'll close here because um, we're out of time and uh, I'll see you next time whenever that is. Sorry for the... Uh, all the mishaps and my um, 
you know, and I want to say sorry for me, but come on. <laughs> uh, like I said, I prayed to be a transparent medium, but it was really a shaky beginning. So we'll be doing better and better as uh, we progress with this uh, study. For now, I'll say goodbye. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Guru Maharaj Ki Jai.